Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. I have a message that's dear to my heart. I want to get right into it so we have plenty of time to be able to just minister uh, in, in the spirit at the end and just let God do this and soak this in us. You know, um, I've been around the world, over 20 nations, and Mark has been to a lot of nations with me. My older brother is here, Joseph, who is also a Mission Gandon with me back in the, in the uh, early, late 90s, early 20s, and he's here. Um, and we just came back from ministering in Big Rapids at one of our retreats we do there for men. How many of you girls know men need help today? Come on, that's, a big, that's your moment to say amen. And so I am trying to do that at the, as best as I can. I'm focusing, I was an evangelist for 18 years traveling the world, but I'm focusing now um, in my older years. I just turned 58 just a couple days ago, and I feel, I said, Lord, as long as I'm healthy and strong, I'm going to help these men get right and so I've been focusing in the last 10 years on men's ministry, wrote a book called Andrizo Man, uh, a call to distinctive and authentic manhood, because I'm tired of this fake manhood out there that men are falling into, and it's counterfeit to what God created us to be men. And so I started a retreat in Dallas, Texas. It's now grown to seven states and three countries, and um, I'm about to go full-time again on the road just to do this and minister to men um, and help them learn what it means to be a godly man, uh, a masculine man that is with God's masculinity. I call it TNT, tough men and tender, TNT, get it? Tough men and tender. And so I brought some books we had left over from the retreat. If you want to pick some up, I'll be in the back after the service to sign it. It'd be a blessing. And for the single women here that are looking for a godly man, this is a way to find out what one looks like. (laughs) This will help you. It's a book written for men, but it'll help women, too, be able to identify that jerk, okay, and not marry them. And, and I teach in there, potential means nothing, okay? It's what God is already doing in a man's heart. And so it will help you to identify it. My, my daughters all read it, and they all are choosing the right men. Thank God. Amen? Uh, but uh, I want you to turn your, your Bibles, if you have it, or your apparatus, whatever you use, um, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 7, as you're turning there, I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you so much for your love for us, for your love for the people that are here. I thank you that they got up this Sunday on a beautiful Michigan day where people would rather go to the lake and rather go fishing or do whatever we do in summers and vacation, but they're here in your house. That says a lot. That says that they're putting you first, God, and I'm thankful for that. Because you, do, you give great rewards, Lord, when we put you first. And Lord, I ask that you help me articulate your heart. I thank you, Lord, that your word is anointed. And Lord, that you will use me to speak your word today, to encourage our hearts. If someone's here and they're lost, Lord, and they're struggling, that you will minister to them in your unique way, Holy Spirit. And that they will come to know you as Many have have known you, as I have known you for over 30 years. 
I pray for that. And I thank you, Lord. And we all said amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. You there? I want to read to you. It's a short text, but then we're going to expound on it. But we have this, and I'm reading out of the NIV, but we have this treasure. It's an important key word there. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Pardon my accent. I'm from New Orleans, raised in, in, uh, in, in New Orleans there, and I have a pretty drawl, but I was also born in Brooklyn, New York, lived in Michigan for eight years, and now live in Texas. So I'm all mixed up. I say, you guys, I say, y'all, I say all kinds of stuff. Yo, I say that from New York. And so I got everything in me. So if you have to have an interpreter, uh, you know, just ask the Holy Spirit or something. <laughs> but we, I, I noticed the way I say jaws, you know, jaws of clay to show, watch this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show, that's a key word, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We all have to get to a place in life that we realize this deal, life, is not about us. If you don't get to that place, life will never mean as much as it should be in your life because it's not about us. It's about God. Our very Existence is about God, about glorifying God. And this scripture alludes to that. It says, first of all, it calls us a precious thing. It calls us treasures, jars of clay. Whenever the Bible says jars of clay, it's talking about us, our lives. We're, we were made from the dust of the earth. Another translation you may be reading, it says uh, vessels of clay. We, that's talking about us, inside of us, there is treasures, gifts, talents that God has given each and every one of us. I am no more gifted than you are. I'm just manifesting my gift. And there's a value to that. We'll talk a little bit about that. But the reason God gives you a gift, the reason why God calls you his treasure out of darkness is because it's about giving him glory. Look at this to show that all surpassing power is from God. It's always about God. Rick, Renner, um, Rick Warren wrote a book many years ago. It became a bestseller. Still, I think, is the top-selling book in the world, and it's a Christian book. It's awesome. It's called Purpose Driven Life. And a few chapters into it, he says, it's not about you. I closed the book, dropped the mic, and said, that was worth the price of the book right there. If we can just get that in us, it's not about us. There was a part of my life where it was all about me, and as long as it was all about me, I was messing up and destroying relationships and living a life that was just, just horrible. But when I realized this is not about me, this is about God, it's about people. That's why Jesus says all commandments hang on two things, love God and love people, Everything else hangs on that. Everything else, nothing else matters if you don't have those two things done. I pastored for years, and I'm telling you, it, there were times where it got frustrating. When you ever work with people, you're going to get frustrated. And churches are made up of people, and that's what's so beautiful. It's made up of people. It's not perfect. People tell my time, well, church is full of hypocrites. Hypocrites, I said, well, why don't you come and change that? Because <laughs> it's never going to change if the real, genuine people don't come. So if you're not a hypocrite, come then, right? But the fact is, Churches are not perfect because it's made up of people. We're not perfect. 
but the church is still good and it's still God's purpose for this earth. It's the only hope of the world, you realize, is the church. God has no other plan. It's the church, and the church is made up of people. It's not a building, right? It's made up of people. And people, we got issues. But here's what I've discovered with people. I say, listen, until you get out of yourself and start thinking outside of yourself. And I told my wife one day, wow, you know, being a pastor would be pretty cool if it weren't for people. I was a little frustrated. (laughs) She said, but honey, she goes, uh, then you wouldn't pastor if you didn't have people. I go, I know. I got to deal with it. I got to deal with it because I got to deal with myself. So your treasures, you have a gift. Why is that so important? Because you don't understand. There is treasures in you you know not of and you, until you tap into God. I grew up in Louisiana, like I said, and I grew up around bayous. We, used to call, we call them bayous. We call them canals. Louisiana is full of canals because of the water issues. Katrina was uh, um, a, a canal failure. The banks and uh, the levees that we had failed. The, the city is, you know, way underneath sea level, and it caused the, 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 the issues that we had there, right? And so uh, canals were pretty neat growing up by them bayous because every few years they would come by and they would dredge those canals to keep the water flow clear because the canals would start to be used by for people to throw their couches in there and throw their trash in there and then you know debris would start building up so everyone a few years they had to go and they had to dredge it well what was cool about that as a kid growing up by it is that they would take these big machines and they would dig out this clay-like um, mud and put it on the side of the banks. Louisiana is full of clay. And that to us was treasure because we come back from school and we see the, the trucks there and the machines and we're like, yes. And our parents hated it because they knew that means, you know, mud in the house, f- shoes full of mud because that clay was like having a gigantic yard of Play-Doh. I mean, they made the best rocks for the rock fight wars we had as kids, you know, the mud wars. It made the best ramps for our bikes to play Evil Knievel with, you know. But the funnest thing was we would find things in the clay, like bikes. We would find parts for bikes. We would find, you know, uh, we, there, there were, one time we found this uh, push cart, like, like race car, that had, you know, like wheels on it and all of that that somebody had thrown in the canal. And we found it in the clay and we pulled it out and we, we you know, we would find big wheels. Remember big wheels, the big plastic big wheels? We would find those. We would take the tires off them. It was for us kids that didn't have much. Man, that was like the closest to Disneyland you can get was the mud out of the clay, the mud out of the canals. And you said, well, what does that have to do with the message? All the parents looked at it as a big nuisance Oh, my gosh, here's the mud again. But the kids, it was treasure in the clay. It was joy in the clay. It was fun with the clay. And I'm here to tell you, you're no different. There is a treasure in you. There's a treasure in you. And you have to be able to excavate that and find that. And I'm going to help you with that with some of the principles that I'm going to teach you if I can get my computer to come back on. There you go. Yes, treasures. Treasures are so important, and they're there. And this scripture tells us here, hidden in you, there's treasures, there's gifts, there's talents waiting to be manifested. And that's a huge thing for you to learn this morning. 
I came here all the way from Texas to tell you, you are a precious treasure of God. You may be sitting here and feeling, I don't feel like a treasure. I hope by the end of this time with me in the Holy Spirit, you change your mind. Because this is not just for certain people, it's for everyone that God creates. This is huge, and you need to make an effort to manifest those gifts on this earth. Why? Because a portion of your life will bring glory to God that I can't bring. So when you don't discover this treasure, when you don't see your life as a gift inside of you and you don't manifest it, the world misses out on a part of God's glory that you have uniquely, as unique as your fingerprint. God is ripped off is what I'm trying to tell you. I'm ripped off. You ripped me off because you have something in you that's special. So you owe God. You owe me. You owe everyone in, in, around you in this, on this earth. You owe them to manifest your gift. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to manifest your gift. You've been manifesting something else. <laughs> right? So let me expound a little bit on this scripture. It goes on to say in verse 8 some powerful things about your gift and its, its durability. See, some people, well, I, think, I thought I had a gift at one time, Pastor, but you know, life didn't just pan out the way I wanted to. And, and then I, I think I lost that gift. Your gift has got a little bit more durability to it than that. Watch. Verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed but not in despair. Verse nine, persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. This is within the same context of what I just read about the treasure, jars of clay, you and I, having the treasure of God. Now it's going on and saying, you can go through hard times, you can go through tough places, but your gift will always be there. But pastor, you don't understand. My house burned down, still got a gift. But pastor, uh, you know, my, my, my business bankrupt, you still have a gift. My brother right here, I call him the comeback kid. I tell him Rocky Balboa has nothing on you, Joe. He's about the most comeback businessman I've ever met. Bankrupt several times, struggled several times, and kept coming back, kept coming back. Today he's comfortably retired because he always reached, tapped back into his gift. He says, I built a company from scratch, I'll build another one. He still had the gift and realized that and manifested it, and it brought him the results. You still have a gift. But pastor, my wife left me or my husband left me. You still got a gift. Still have a gift. My boyfriend, my girl, still got a gift. Your gift will always be with you. God never gives it and takes it back. It says his gifts and callings are with, is without recompense. He doesn't give and take back. God gives you a gift because your gift can bring him glory on this earth. And it is the power source of your comeback. Your gift is the power source of your comeback. It is what can get you back up on your feet. Listen to me, saints. Your value is not in things. I had to learn that the hard way. It's not in persons. Your value is in you discovering the gift that God has given you 
and manifesting that gift. The world pays you, even in the corporate industrial world, it pays you according to your gift. An employer pays you according to the value you bring to that company, right? It's no different in the, in the kingdom of God. There is a value to your gift that God has given a great price for, his son, for you to be able to manifest the gift that God has in you, the talents that God has in you, because it will bring God glory. And that's why God is so determined for you to fulfill that calling and that purpose in your life. All of that is the same word for gift. Is this making sense? So if you never discover your God-given gifts, listen to this, you will never be valuable to yourselves and others. This is, people not understanding what I'm trying to teach right now, people not understanding their gifts and their, that their lives are, are clays of God's glory, then what happens is that's why they start getting into addictions, that's why they start manifesting the wrong things because they have no value. We destroy our lives because we lack value of what we are here for. When you have value for what you are here for and you start to manifest that gift, it starts giving your life's meaning. The minute I realized that God had a purpose for my life, a gift that he had put in me, I started stopping the destructive things that I was doing. Does that make sense? A lot of people know my testimony that are friends here, but many of you don't. Before I was in ministry, I was not a, a, a public speaker. I was a bodybuilder. And I thought that was my gift to the world, right? And it wasn't. And I'm running around America trying to be Mr. Universe in these little shorts and, and baby oil all over me. And I'm supposed to be a pastor. I'm supposed to be a minister. I'm supposed to help people get to, to heaven. Instead, I'm just getting them health. Which nothing wrong with that if you're in the health business. It wasn't the gift that God called me to use. I was using my gifts in the wrong venue. It was getting results. It was bringing me fame and fortune and, and, and wealth. But it was, it was miserable because it wasn't what I was called to do. I wasn't called to run around with baby oil on me and, and posing trunks. I was called to lead people to Christ. I was called to see people healed, to see marriages put back together, to see children serving the Lord and honoring their fathers and their mothers, to see men being real men and being faithful to their wives and, and fathers to their children. That's what I was called to do. Don't you think that's a little better than Mr. Universe Trophy? Huh? I think it is. But I would have never known that if I didn't understand what I'm trying to teach you now. This is why people fall apart and sell out. It's because they don't understand the value of the gift they have inside. There's a great example of this. I can't get into, into the story too deep, but you can go and search it yourself. In Genesis 25 is the story of two brothers, Esau and Jacob. Esau was the oldest. He had the gift of being the oldest and getting the birthright of his father. Isaac was his father, Abraham's son, and Esau had the, had the right as the firstborn of the twins to have all the wealth of his father. But watch this. Esau did not value his firstborn rights and sold his birthright to his little brother for a bowl of soup. 
Yeah, go read it. Genesis 25. You say, what a knucklehead. Don't say that too fast. Because a lot of us, including me, have sold our future and, and birthright in God, the gifts of God, for a lot less. You say, for a bowl of soup. Yeah, a bowl of soup. But boy, I can tell you, sometimes times in my life where I did not value God's gift in me, and I sold it for stupid stuff, for a drink that got me in trouble, that got me drunk, and it got me doing stupid things, right? For a woman, right? Stupid things. For, for a, a, an easy fix on this. We sell out the gifts because like Esau, and the Bible said this about Esau. It, said, it says in, uh, in Hebrews 12, 16, God called him a profane man because he despised his gift. A profane man. God said it, Esau I hated, but Jacob I loved. That's a strong word coming from a God who's all about love. He wasn't hating him as a person. He was hating his value of what God had given him. Wow, that's pretty potent to me to know that because what that tells me is that when we don't value our gift, we're in, we're in, in, in a form, it's, un, it's irrelevant, irrelevant, not irrelevant, irreverent to God. It's dishonoring to God and what he paid for you to have this gift manifested. And that price was his son. You see, we need to understand our gift determines how much we make in life, right? As I said a few minutes ago, it's valued by that. I want to give you a several principles in a time we have allotted to manifest this gift in your life, to discover this gift and how to value this gift. One is this. Here's what I've learned about this gift. This gift, the title of this message is The Gift in You, is one, seed your gift. Early on, when I first came to, to know Christ in 1987, I, I, knew, I, I had come to a church like this in 84, and I was raised Catholic. I didn't know a whole lot about church, but I came to a church. My sister invited me, and it was a pastor like your pastor in a church like this. I thought they were a bunch of nut people, right, people raising their hands and all this stuff, and I was like, wow, this is kind of different, but something about it, I liked it. Something about it was alive. And I kept coming back, kept coming back. But it was in 1987 that I really totally surrendered my heart to the Lord. But between 84 and 87, boy, it was, it was like a battle. The enemy was fighting for my soul and would almost destroyed me. But in 87, when I gave my life to Christ, I had the, the only gift I really knew was I was a personal trainer. I knew how to help people get in shape. I knew how to tell them to eat right. I knew how to, you know, help manage gyms. And so... I came to the church and I said, I don't know how it can be used by you, God, but I'll offer my talents as I have them now and as I understand them now. So I would help pastors get in shape. I would help them eat better. I would help their kids and all. And little by little, as I and I wouldn't charge them anything. And I was paid a lot at that time for those things. But I just would sow 
to these pastors. And then I got to know these pastors. And they started pouring into me the things spiritually. That they trained me spiritually. I trained them physically. It was a great exchange. And then I started serving in the church. And, and little did I know that God was going to call me into the ministry and specific men's ministry. That was my first area of serving. You know, Louisiana, we eat crawfish, right? We used to have these crawfish boils. And we would have all these great times and breakfasts with men. And I would sit there and just listen to the amazing communicators they had, like Ed Cole, all these guys that then became my mentors and started pouring into me. But it all started with me seeding my gift of where I had it at the time. Because some people said, well, Pastor, you must have, you have this gift to speak and you have this gift to communicate. I didn't have this. I, I, I stuttered so much when I first started communicating. I was so nervous, I completely would blank out. I would, I, and the worst nightmare is after I gave my best, people, bless their hearts, they would come up to me afterwards and say, you know what, you may need to stay in the gym business because you're not a teacher. That was like your worst nightmare after you just stood in front of people and poured your heart out. But I am a teacher. And, and you need to know this. Your gift needs to be seated first. Your gift needs to be seated because watch, once you seed your gift, it will start making room for you. Here's what Proverbs 18, 16 says. A man's gifts, and that means women too, a man or a woman's, a woman's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men, brings him before great people. Your gift will make room for you. I didn't know I had this on me. I didn't know I could be a teacher until one day, <laughs> morning prayer. I remember the first time I ever spoke in a church was in morning prayer. I've been attending morning prayer at 5 o'clock every morning. We had morning prayer for an hour at this church I was part of. I was learning how to pray, how to seek God. And one day, the person of the church that was leading it, I guess, slept in, didn't show up, and everybody was waiting. And about, after about 10 minutes, I got up and I said, man, I can pray this prayer. You know, it was based on the Lord's prayer. So I got up, grabbed the mic with no one telling me, and started leading prayer. Well, it went good, I guess, because they got back to the pastor and said, Pastor, you ain't going to believe this. And they were in staff meeting. They said, Jimmy, they didn't know me back then, Jimmy DeMello led morning prayer. And he goes, what? He's a young believer. How did that happen? They go, well, it, it happened because so-and-so was overslept and all of that. But, Pastor, he did pretty good. And that started this interest. Maybe God has something in me. That's more than just what I was doing. Watch this. In Proverbs twenty two twenty nine 29, it says this. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings, and he will not serve before obscure men. Your gift will put you in powerful positions, but you have to be willing to seed it. Look, even, even the world understands this principle. Drug dealers understand this principle. You know what drug dealers do? They give people the little, trial little trials of drugs. Here, try this. Use this. They give the first one so they can get them addicted. They seed it. Even the enemy knows this principle of seeding, of giving. But I'm telling you, your gift, serving other people, will bring you before incredible opportunities. And I say this because some people want their, they want their, their gift to bring them money right away. I want to be paid for my gift. You don't know what I what I'm valued at this. You know what? Some people are legends in their own minds. You ever met people like that? 
you know, you're good, but you're not that good. And I didn't make anything. I didn't charge anything. I didn't make anything my first few years of ministry. But, you know, today my gift has a different value. And today, yes, I, I, I live comfortably and my kids are been through college and, and I'm blessed by it and I'm thankful for it. But it wasn't like that in the beginning. I seeded it and seeded it. And I still seed a lot of it. Uh, the, my book, most, my book is becoming a, quickly a bestseller. But I'm telling you right now, it's mostly because I seed it. I give a lot more than, than is purchased. Because I want to see people blessed more than anything. Amen? So seed your gift. Seed your gift. Rich, you just tell me when I got, am I done? Am I over? Okay, I want to give you one more, and then you come back to the next service and get the rest. Embrace change. Embrace change. Embrace change. If you're going to see your gift manifested, you've got to embrace change. Um, when, when I tell people discover your gift, what I'm really telling you is discover a self-manifestation, a self-audit of your life. Because to manifest your gift you're going to need to examine yourself and see what your motives are all about. Why do I want to get up and speak about Christ? To, to, to make myself look all spiritual or to really, is it really about God? I had to walk through that and work through that for years. And I resisted a lot of it because I did not want to be in any position of a spiritual leader with the wrong motivation. So to embrace change, I had to change some things about me. Because I want you to hear this. If you get anything, change isn't change. And I tell men this all the time until it's changed. Nothing changes. Say this with me. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And I had to change. And you have to change. What are we changing into? Into more like God. To more like his son. To more like what he created. Here's what Romans 12, 2 says. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed. That's the word metamorpho, which we get the word metamorphosis from, like a butterfly from, a, from a, you know, a little caterpillar. By renewing of your mind, it tells you, change comes, transformation comes by renewing your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You can also exchange that word will for his gift so that you can prove God's gift. And it happens with change, with metamorpho, with transformation in your life. In my book, I talk about one of the principles that make a godly man is a man of circumspection. Circumspection basically be, means a man of vigilance, a man that, that protects his family, that's a watchman for his children's hearts and his wife's heart, a man that's always observant to watching a 360 view of his life, circumspection, that he, he circles, it's where we get the word uh, circumference from inspection is where we get the word inspection is a man who is always aware connected with his marriage connected with his children connected with the needs of people around him that God shows him that's a man that's going to make a difference and it's one of the first principles but in order to have a circumspection you have to first have an introspection of your life and yes dealing with heart stuff Miles Monroe once said this, dissatisfaction is the seed of change. You will never change what you tolerate. Some of y'all need to be writing that down. You will never change what you tolerate, 
The only way you're going to ever change things in your life is you get finally fed up with what you're not changing, and it becomes a greater pain than what it's going to take to change. Did you just hear what I said? Because that wasn't in my notes. You better get these little drops from heaven because until the pain of where you are becomes greater than the pain it's going to take to change, you will never change. You will never change. You need to get to that place where you say, I, I'm not going to stay. This is not leading me to the person I want to be. And that's where I had to get. This, I was, in, I was in, around a lot of famous people, living in Hollywood, doing my thing, thinking I was all that in a bag of chips. And then one day it all came falling apart, and I realized I had a lot of charisma. I had a lot of talent, but I had no character. And I did not like the men that I was around and the men that I was inspiring to be. I didn't like their lives. And I said, God, what am I? I am not the man I want to be. And God said, you got to change. And boy, it was a lot to change. I'm still changing. We're always changing. We never get to a place where we have arrived. We always are changing. But that is important. Because the reason, listen to this, the reason that happens when we get to a place where nothing is going right, watch, the reason that happens is because the pain of staying in our situation is not great enough. People say, I want to lose weight. Well, it's going to take some discipline. Well, I like too much of the food, and I like too much of this. Well, it's not, it's not enough pain. But then, all of a sudden, the doctor comes to you and says, you got high blood pressure. You got diabetes. Then what happens? The pain of staying where we are became greater. I want to live for my kids. I want to be, I'm with you. I want to be able to ride a bike and not suck the, my air like I'm dying, right? I've been there. I've been there. And I'm telling you, it became, you know what? It's not about me anymore. I want to live for my grandkids. My grandkids are coming in a few years in Jesus' name. Amen? <laughs> and I want to be healthy for them. So I got to start, I gotta start taking care of myself better. The, the greater thing became greater. Good? Oh, we, we're done, huh? 10.04. We're good. You want one more? Yeah. Audit your habits. And I'm just going to give this real quick. You do not decide your future. You decide your habits, and your habits decide your future. Habits are huge. If you, your habits are not in public or not the habits that are making the person you want to be, then guess what? Your, pub, your private habits are going to catch up with your, I call it, your public performance. Everything that's done in private will eventually come out in public. And if it's not what you want people to see, then you got to start changing your private habits. I'm big on that with men. And then my final thing, protect the gift that God has given you. Protect the gift that God has given you. What does that mean? Protect the heart. Proverbs says this, guard your heart above all else where it determines the course of your life. You know why that's so important? A lot of people miss out on their gift because they don't protect this thing in here where it lives. Your gift is in your heart. It's got to be because I'm sleep deprived. Because <laughs> I've been at a camp with men for the last five days. And the pain I see men going through, it manifested in my heart. 
because being a man that had a very dysfunctional father who was very unfaithful to his to my mother who beat my mother who later on got saved towards the end of his life through the ministry of my wife uh, made me devote my life to helping men who have some of the same pain who didn't have a father who doted on them who loved them who put them first who, who explained things in life to them and they had to figure it all out on their own like I did and screw up like I did and it was out of my heart that the gift started coming out for me to even write a book is a miracle English was my worst subject in high school and I'm an author today didn't even know it was there until I started manifesting the gifts that God gave me there's a gift in you and that's what I came from Texas to tell you there's a gift in you it's a beautiful thing lives will be changed by it thousands of men have been changed by this book and about by the ministry that God has given me and all the glory goes to him every day I'm so thankful and I want to end with this last scripture and I want to pray for you pastor I, I want to know this gift I want to value this gift Ephesians 2.10 is what rocked my world many years ago because in that chapter God calls me a workmanship one translation says masterpiece. Another one says handiwork. And when God showed me this scripture years ago, I felt like a broken, worse person ever. And yet in Ephesians 2.10, he says, you are God's workmanship created, and here's the key, in Christ Jesus. And then it says this, beautiful words, to do good works that have been predestined beforehand for you to walk in. You see, before you were ever a thought in your, in your parents' mind, before you were ever born, God had a predestined life for you with a gift that did good things. But it's connected to Christ. And that's what I want to pray. If you're here and you want to know that gift, and it's there, then you've got to connect with Christ. It's through Christ Jesus that I learn the gifts that I have today that touches lives, that helps marriages, that helps kids, helps families, and hopefully will help our country because our country needs stronger marriages and stronger families and stronger men. We have strong women. We need stronger men. Church has been cared by women all these years because men have been knuckleheads. And I can say that because I'm a man and I was one of them. But if men will stand up and just be men, women will be happier. Men, women will be more loved. Women will flourish even more under that environment. And so I'm focused on men. But I'm focused on God's children. This morning, I want you to close your eyes and, and bow your head. And I want to ask you, what are you manifesting right now in your life that you, you don't like? You're saying, this is not what I'm supposed to do. Maybe you're outside and you're drifted from God and you're not experiencing the joy and the peace and all the things that come with walking out God's gifts. 
then I want to pray with you this simple prayer. I want you to say this with me. Everyone, let's just join in this prayer. Say, Father, this morning I realize I am a treasure to you, that there is a gift in me that you want to manifest to bring you glory. But it all starts with surrendering my life to your son, Jesus. And I do that this morning. I fully surrender my heart to Christ. And I ask you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.